Hello. Hey, Merlin. How are you? I'm great, Dan. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's good to have the internet back. It was gone. What happened to the internet? What are you talking about? Last week, for, Last week. for three days, we had no internet here at the, uh, at the studio. How is that possible? I'm, I, it went out, and it turned out it was a bad cable modem, and hmm. it took them three days. Spectrum. Thanks, Spectrum Business Class. Thanks, Spectrum. Bop, bop. Three days to get out here. And when they finally did get out here, uh, they were able to remove it, as, you know, to physically disconnect the cable modem and replace it with a new one. That took five minutes. And mm-hmm. the other hour and 25 minutes that he spent here was on the phone with them, getting them to activate it and waiting on hold with, with his own people. And this was a Spectrum employee too. This was not like a third-party contractor. This is a straight-up employee. So yeah, really fun, really cool. A, re- a real employee, not some, not just some dude with a magnetized sign on his van. Yes, not that. And uh, and you know, grateful, grateful to have them come out and replace it. But it's just one of those things that is absolutely amazing how little actually it gets done. Mm-hmm. Without the internet, when you do stuff for a living that's well, all on the internet. I, that part is not surprising to me. I mean, we're back to infrastructure week. Hi, welcome back. It's still infrastructure week. Because, um, but, but, hmm, okay, wow, I got a lot to say about this. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, because, you know, I've, God, where do I begin? We talked, um, I think it was last week, or last time we recorded anyway, we were talking about, um, you know, infrastructure, you know, whether that's PG&E and the electric going off or, you know, wondering if Apple stuff is going to work today and stuff like where you just like assume it'll work. Well, and, and again, this example that keeps coming up, I know it's an imperfect example, but I would speculate that in some ways... Uh, cable TV in the 80s was one of the most rock solid things that there was. Right. Um, cable, you know, coax into your house to do stuff was really solid. Now, of course, if you lived in Florida and there was thunderstorms, it might go out. But, you know, for the longest time, uh, having a cable modem, I am a very unhappy Comcast customer. Yeah. But for the longest time, <clears throat> it was so simple. You um, you could get, get a surfboard from them or you could buy your own surfboard. I still use the Motorola uh, surfboard board line. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I, my current extremely ponderous internet connection is about 300 down and about 10 up, mm-hmm. which is very confusing. to yeah, That's about the same thing I have here. And it's, it's plenty darn fast. So that's about 34 megs a second. Right. Um, I have reasons to know that's real. That's good. I mean, I would like faster, uh, uploads because that would help me run Plex from here better. Right. But but for the longest time, seriously, I mean, it was it was as simple as <laughs> you, if something was, was weird, you could just cycle everything. Right. If you needed a new surfboard, you got a new surfboard. It didn't matter. As far as the activation stuff, you go to, what is it, 192.168.100.1 or whatever the magic address is. And you could basically, you could, there was a self-diagnostic sort of page for, you could still get this for most modems. And you go and you say, restart everything. You could even sort of reset everything. And then you'd wait. And it was as simple as, I mean, I might be being overly nostalgic here, but in my recollection, in the time since I've had uh, cable for internet at the house, we went from DSL to cable. And um, 
<laughs> around the same time, I guess, that we got DirecTV, oddly enough. But then, so anyway, now we do everything through through the coax. And over time, they've done stuff like, you know, three or four different dinglings will come out and not figure out what's wrong with something. Why is this signal screwed up? Well, it's because every time four out of five people come out to the house, they end up just inserting more coax, which has an impact mm-hmm. as you get all this spaghetti on spaghetti title. <laughs> so, you know, one, one time we had a dude come out and he's like, he's, look at this. And there was a pile of coaxial cable. He's like, this is all the coax I could very easily remove. I put in one new piece of coax that got rid of all this other spaghetti coax. Everything's fine. What I'm trying to say is that for the longest time with a surfboard and a Comcast connection, if things went totally wrong and you could know for sure it was not Comcast DNS being out or something similar, all you, you could go and reset your own modem. And I, I feel like it was rarely more than 30 minutes before it automatically did whatever it needed to do to reprovision that piece of hardware. It would do it all automatically. You're good to go. But that that's not the case anymore. Like, there's so much stuff where you have to talk to somebody. <sighs> Again, we're back to Kaiser Permanente. We're back to Comcast. We're right. back to AT&T. Yeah. All of these things where you have to project manage this thing to get somebody on the horn to do a thing. So like, you know, and, and you, you know, there's diagnostics that you can do. Like you could go, you could log in with your phone to Comcast and say like, does this seem like it's working? But then, you know, for years, Comcast in particular has, they've, they've really got a program that they want you to be on. And part of the program that they want you to be on, they want you to have the phone. They want you to have TV. They want you to have cable internet, but they also really want you to have their dumbass giant tall cable modem. I don't want it. I do not prefer that modem. I like my surfboard. I own my surfboard. I control my surfboard. <laughs> Let me just have my surfboard. Because if you get there, modem, first of all, it doesn't even fit into the area where we put the cable modem. You know what I'm talking about? These these newfangled um, boxes that do virtually nothing for you as a consumer and do everything for them as a company, including stuff like letting your, I believe it does stuff like make your uh, Wi-Fi. It's built-in Wi-Fi, right? Mm-hmm. Yay. But that also lets that be a, a, a public AP that other Comcast users can then use. Like you go somewhere and you see all those connections for these different companies, a lot of times it's somebody's residential or business modem that you're glomming onto. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. That's weird to me. But like, I don't know. It's just so strange because it all feels of a piece. On the one hand, there's the inconsistencies in how this stuff works because it's now, it has now gotten so complex, even just from a tech standpoint, that it's difficult to manage. But my gut is the reason it's gotten so complex in some ways, yeah, maybe it's because it's doing more than one thing. But it's also that they're doing all these things that are beneficial to the company and not to you. So, you know, now you have your, your internet, you're an internet company in some ways. Your internet is out. You can't do your work because you have to wait for the right rabbi and a guru and a Sherpa to come out in a white van and like figure out what your problem is. And it's mental. I I wanted to add, I I, I wanted to, um, I gave my kid my old Apple watch and wanted to add cellular. I think I told you this. I wanted to add cellular to that mm-hmm. so that she would be able to, you know, not have to have a phone with her. Long story short, you can't, I don't, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm blacklisted, even though I've been with AT&T for 10 years. <laughs> right. I'm a good AT&T customer. Do not like the company. You can't just go and add that to your account. And maybe there's a business reason. Maybe there's a tech reason. As it turns out, there's kind of a business reason and a tech reason, at least for me. I spent 
I think about two hours on the phone with a very helpful, very nice AT&T person who was going through all of the stuff that we needed to do to get this watch on our account. And, you know, getting the phone on the account is as easy as uh, changing out the SIM. I have very rarely ever had to call about a, a SIM card being in a different phone. That's yeah. what makes it a SIM card. Right. It's just now that this is that number. That's that's all you need to know. Don't worry about what model it is. Don't worry about any of that stuff. If it can do phone, SIM will be fine. But with this watch thing, I'm just saying this all feels like of a piece to me where it's like everything is such a jam up now because of all these, I suspect, business reasons why everything has become spaghetti on spaghetti it's 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 really frustrating and and then on top of it all to have to be the person that goes and like has to like deal with the continuity of care for any of this stuff it's just i'm sorry i'm ranting early in the podcast but it's incredibly i feel you because it's so frustrating that if you're gonna be over managing what i do be good at it Mm -hmm. if you're if you're if you're not good at over managing what i do don't over manage it make it something that i can take care of myself you can't, you can't just fix your computer so much anymore. You have to go make an appointment and take it to Apple and the Apple store and all that stuff. And it just feels like it's such an epidemic right now of like, I don't know, vertical integration. I don't know what it is, but it's crazy making. No, it really is. And in, you know, in this situation, it was, you know, there were, there was a intermittent, uh, intermittent failure. Uh, so everything would be fine. We would be doing work and browsing and recording shows. And then sometimes nothing would work and it would be out and I'd reset the modem and maybe two or three times after resetting it, it would come back. So that's when I knew there was a problem, called them up. Lady was very nice and uh, said, Oh, well, you know, we'll send someone out. Now I, I have a lot of it and networking experience. Like I'm, I'm still to, to this day, I still spend many hours a day connected to and managing, you know, Linux and FreeBSD servers. And, you know, and I understand networking at a very deep level and it's, you know, I understand what could be going wrong, but the fact is that the modem, and I talked to the guy when he came out, the installer, who was really nice, you know, he said, he's like, I don't know why they're giving you this modem, why they give our business class customers, these old modems. He's like, they're, they're fine, but they're just very old. He's like, we have a new one. I'll give you a new one. And the newer model that came out is fine. But here's the interesting part. I do not, if I wanted to use the Spectrum Wi-Fi here, which I don't, but if I did want to, they would charge me monthly, a monthly fee that I would pay (laughs) in order to have Wi-Fi. Or I could have an Eero, which is what I have. So I, I got an Eero and I plugged it in here and it works great. And it's been working great for a long time. And I don't, I've never used theirs here. I don't use theirs at my house either. I have it all turned off. And, uh, and so in order to have their service, even though I have Wi-Fi turned off, they still need to install this Wi-Fi module. So now what they've done, and I'm sure this is to save money, the cable modems that they install no longer have Wi-Fi built in. In order to get Wi-Fi, there is a separate device that plugs in with an ethernet cable into one of the ethernet ports. And really, in fact, the only ethernet port in the cable modem and it provides you with Wi-Fi and four ethernet ports, which all used to be built into the modem. So I'm pretty sure, and I'm going to experiment with this, that I can just take unplug that and plug my own gigabit ethernet switch, which I have several of into the back of the new cable modem and not need their weird tall. It's like a foot tall 
it can't fit in our credenza. No, it's so stupid. And and so here's the other thing. You're th- there's people out there who are thinking, Dan, why did you wait three days? You could have just gone to Best Buy and grabbed. You're right. I could have gone to Best Buy and bought, you know, like one of the uh, the, the the cable modem that most people recommend, and the one that I used to use and own uh, in 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 my own lifetime, whenever I used to do this is the Aris surfboard Doxus 3.1 gigabit speed cable modem approved for Cox Spectrum and an Xfinity SB 8200 frustration free. Oh, I got a 6183. What? You got an 80 what? Uh, it is the uh, 8200 <gasps> is the latest. 8200. Oh, put I'm it, looking um, at the uh, 6183. Ooh. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but, new modem. <laughs> but anyway, this one is wonderful and it's approved for most places. It's 150 bucks. And I said to the person on the phone, I said, you know, I'm just going to go to Best Buy and buy this thing. Cause even, you know, if you're lucky enough to have like same day delivery with Amazon, you could do yeah. it, but it was going to take them longer to get this one here. And I said, you know, it, it would be great. I'm just going to go do that. Is that cool? Oh, no, 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 no. You can't. I said, why? Well, you're a Spectrum business class customer and, and uh, you have to use our equipment. Oh God. I said, so what happens if I plug this in and call you and tell you this is a new one? They're like, oh, we, we're not allowed. Even if it would work. We're not allowed. I said, so the same one that I have at home that works on Spectrum at home that's certified to work with y'all, that's fine. But here at the office, because I'm on business class, which just means I pay more per month to have the same, to have a lesser service than I have at home, by the way, that this won't work. And they're like, that's that's so comical. (laughs) I know. And uh, and they're like, nope, nope, won't work. So I pay twice as much here uh, to have about half the speed that I have at home. And I have to use their, their crappy equipment. So when the because, guy because came, business. I was talking to the guy and he, and I told him that and he's like, oh yeah, he's like at home, I have the SB 8200 uh, myself. Cause I don't like the one that they wanted to give me, but oh. uh, yeah, you can't have that here. I just rolled my eyes. So I'm glad to have the internet back, but you realize yes. that, you know, so much of the development work that I do, even though I have like a full local system running, there's so much of it that you just can't do without an internet connection. I mean, even there's so much that just doesn't work. Even something as simple as like fonts, you know, fonts that are hosted on Google fonts or or somewhere like those don't work. Like nothing works for local development. So really there's nothing you can do. So frustrating. It it is. um, Yeah. And there's, there's been those stories in the last couple of years that I, I I find interesting just as a exercise where people, uh, have uh, decided to try and we talked about this a little bit, I think, but people have like, for example, decided to quote unquote, stop using Google, which is not to say it's not just not using Google. It's not logging out. It's, it's that they move to other services for every single thing for which they had previously used Google. Cause you know, one of the benefits of Google is all this stuff does kind of work together. It's all like online. Um, but you know, it's, you still can't, it's like, it's like not using Facebook. I don't use Facebook, but I still use Facebook because Facebook is, trying to shove these cookies in my mouth all the time. They're trying to do all this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like you can't really get all the way off. And if you are all the way off, you realize how much breaks. So if you're doing like a host level uh, of like, of um, you know, banning all IP ranges for Google, like you, like you said, like fonts, there's going to be so much stuff that's just not going to work now. And even if you're just, even if you're just doing like little local stuff, it's, it's crazy making. Um, yeah. One, one of the things I should probably hear about something you like, but um I have a couple little odds and sods, and one of them is that I um, 
have been uh, as part of moving into this uh, Synology NAS. Uh, I say NAS lifestyle. I've been doing some. Oh, uh, re- I want to talk re- about that. Yeah, some recabling and some cleaning up, and um, and that this will be kind of related to what you're talking about here. Um, do you want to maybe tell me about something you like before we do that? Oh, sure. I would love to tell you about Molecule. This Molecule. is air purification reinvented for every room in any home. And there are a lot of things that are in our air that we don't think about it, but that could be contributing to us maybe, whether it's having allergies, not feeling great, actually like getting sick. There's so much in the air. It's, you've got, you you know, you've got your bacteria, you got mold, you got viruses, you got allergens. There's so much that, and most of that stuff, you know, a HEPA filter can only do so much. There's only so much that it can do. A HEPA filter is this um, 1940s technology that basically pushes air through a filter and the filters got uh, configured in a certain way and it's supposed to capture particles. But there are a lot of particles that just get right through that. And uh, what, what Molecule has is different. It's, uh, it's, it's very, very effective. It's verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Uh, they've given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country a, a whole new life, really. Um, and this is air purification for the whole home. Okay, so they now offer something that's called Pico, P-E-C-O, Pico technology, across a whole bunch of products. So now you've got a whole home solution when it comes to air purification. So you might need a molecule air for a big room, right? But maybe you have a small room and you want to purify that too. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, this huge thing, it's, it's cool, but I don't need it in this, this small bathroom or a little bedroom or a little den or something. Now they have the molecule air mini for smaller rooms. And you, you basically, what I'm saying is you can choose a unit that is best for your space or you can go on their site and create a bundle that will give you air purification for the whole house. Uh, we have this. And I can tell you, and I know this is an anecdotal thing, but I feel like since we installed this, since we have had this running, and it runs 24-7, I feel like we've had less allergies. My kids have been sick less, which means I've been sick less. And I feel like there is really something to this. And the way that this technology works, instead of just capturing it all in the filter, there are filters in it, but it also destroys these allergens that are much, much smaller than what get captured by a filter. So this thing really, it seems to really work for us and it's very cool looking and it's quiet and it has this cool blue light that I have automatically turn off at nighttime. There's so much, you get an app that lets you control it. It's really, really cool. And it really, really works. And uh, so our listeners, Merlin, will get 10% off their first air purifier order. So it's not just one thing. The whole order, they're going to get 10% off their first order at Molecule.com. And that's spelled M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com. Molecule with a K. And they entered the promo code back to work. 10 numbers t- one zero back to work one zero and that'll have that that's of course you can remember because it's the number 10 and they're getting 10 percent off at molecule.com so thanks very much to molecule for making this show possible thanks molecule buck, buck. um so for a long i'm not sure what the point of this is i told you i had something vaguely thematic for this episode but it's mainly that there's a theme to my odds and my sods um so can, we, can I talk about the Synology thing for a second? Yeah, I really, I'm very interested in this because I, as a, as a pretext, I will mention that at home, I have my, my 
file server, Plex server, and also Minecraft server is a Linux machine that of course I'm, I'm a nerd. So I have Linux everywhere. And this is one that just, it sits there and it just runs. But you know, I don't love the whole disk management thing. And when one thing fills up, I've got to do another thing. And expanding space means essentially shutting the server down and rejiggering drives and other things. And I've always been very interested. I know that you've had Synologies and I'm very curious what you're doing with it today. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I, uh, I'm, I'm such a noob with it, but I'd, I'd had a Synology a few years ago and I think I made the very common error of trying to economize. So I got one of the less costly Synology. So these things are not cheap, but I got one of the less costly. Uh, hey, Merlin, to... well, what's a Synology? Oh, hey, how's it going, buddy? Hey. Um, Synology is a network attached storage. So if you've ever used something like a Drobo, uh-huh. um, the idea is that you have an array of drives configured in a certain way. The thing that makes a, um, a Synology or like a, a NAS different from just a bunch of hard drives is that it's got a little computer in there. Um, I see, I'm not an expert at this, but like, for example, the Drobo was great because there was, uh, they used to be a sponsor on MacBreak Weekly and they gave me one a million years ago. Me too. Four drive, uh, Drobo. What's yeah. That? I was going to say, I got, I got one from them too, years and years and years ago. Oh when yeah. They and it, was, it was terrific. I mean, I, um, I really liked it a lot, but I mean, it's, it, this is, I don't, I don't know how the, the distinction that I would make is, you know, it's, it's, it's very cool to have several hard drives in a an array, depending on your level of nerdery and fault tolerance, what you're doing is you're having a certain amount of mirroring that enables you to have redundancy so that if one of the drives goes bad, you're not having to buy one, I don't even know if they make this, but like, you're not going to go buy one 10 terabyte drive. And if it breaks your SOL, Mm -hmm. you have an array of smaller, less costly drives that are also less costly to replace. Uh, and if one of those goes wrong, you have redundancy in there. That, that's the basic idea of any kind of, a, I think, a disk array or a RAID or any of those things. Again, I'm not a tech expert. But the difference with the, the Synology is that uh, it's got smarts and it's got computer uh, abilities. <laughs> and it can run a whole bunch of uh, software. So there's all kinds of things. Synology seems like a pretty good company to me. Their their documentation, I think, is very good. Um, and so, you know, so you go to like in this case, so you get it, you get it arranged. Uh, I'll talk more if you want about what I've got and how I did it up. But um, so once once the thing's running, the thing to know is then you log in, you 2FA in, you go to your thing, you log in, you're, and you're getting a kind of cPanel like, not super pretty, but very functional, right. what feels like a website. Even though it could be, you know, five feet away from you, you're going and doing all the things there. And you can, there's a control panel and you install these things called packages. And each package could be something like Plex or it could be something like uh, what's called Disk Station. You can basically, you can emulate something like Dropbox functionality. Like there's just, there's all kinds of uh, stuff that Synology makes. Plus, there's a community of people um, who make, make stuff for it, like Plex. And so you can have a Plex media server on there and it has the computer smarts to be able to then, you know, serve your Plex stuff to you. Um, so where am I going with this? So I, like I say, I think I, um, I economized too much two or three years ago by buying a less costly Synology with two drives. Um, and so I, I did a little bit of research. I talked to some people who have Synologies and I got a, I think it's a yeah, six drive Synology 
that has a total after redundancy, it has 10 terabytes on it right now, which is a nice amount of stuff to have. And it's all the software is all managed on there. So like once you get it configured the way you want, one problem I ran into with large hard drives and Drobo stuff in the past is I would just have stuff in piles that wasn't very well managed. Right. Where like now I have this a rubber band around four naked drives and I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's baby photos on there, but I don't know. Right. Whereas with with the with the Synology, it's got a lot of built-in smarts. Um I've I'm not perfect at this, but I've done a pretty good job at getting this configured to where I've got Plex stuff on there. I'm doing Time Machine onto there. I'm doing, what are the other things that I'm doing? That really is mainly for Plex plus other things. My, my reason for getting it the, where I could convince myself it was worth the dough was to do Plex. Then I'm, I've been making myself get better at it and learn more about it because there's so much you can do with it. Um, but then it's cool. Like, for example, and I'll, I'll get to this as far as my, uh, my infrastructure week, I've done stuff like now I'm finally getting into having UPSs and um, battery backup. I finally kind of bit, bitten oh, the yeah, bullet on yeah, that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did so, you get one? Yeah, I've got a couple. And so uh, so the one that I have configured right now that I may end up replacing, but my starter one, um, it's got cool stuff. For example, it's got a US, there's, there's, this thing's got, I think f- the Synology has like four Ethernet ports I think it's got three USB ports and they all do stuff. So you can, you can actually, I guess you, you could tell me how this works, but I've got two cat six a coming out of that to the modem. So I think I'm accomplishing, uh, I can do more with the two ethernet cables. Correct. Like I'm getting more. Yes. 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 So that's, I've got, I've got two of those and you can have up to four of those, but two is plenty good for me. And then I'm using two of the USB ports. One of the USB ports I'm using to go to the um, uh, UPS, the backup and battery right. backup, and, and and like a lot of stuff, including Macs now. It, you know, there's uh, inbuilt software that will communicate, and in the event of a power outage, it will help it gracefully shut down. Um, it'll do the battery power for a certain amount of time, and then gracefully shut down. That's one USB port. The other USB port is connected to a. This is so bizarre to me, Dan. That you can go to Prime or Prime Now. You can get like an eight terabyte hard drive for yeah. like 140 bucks. <laughs> I know it's insane. It's, uh, absolutely insane. So oh, well, I don't you can want get, that. You from... can get a one terabyte SSD drive, one terabyte oh, SSD for less than a hundred bucks now. I have one right here. I have an so SSD awesome. that I can hang off my TV. Right. USB port. So yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's, it's incredibly fast and it works great. Um, so the second USB port is going to, I'm um, doing my backups nightly of the incremental backups nightly of the Synology to that hard drive. I don't, I don't dislike crash plan, but I don't want to run Java stuff on my computer if I can avoid it. Right. Um, and uh, I, I am a huge fan of Backblaze, but Backblaze is, I believe, per CPU, whereas crash plan is like per your network. So there's a lot of people that do their backups with that. I'm sorry, I'm get, really getting in the weeds with this, but it's been it's been fun. Um, and then you know, so I got it initially set up. It's been working. It works great for Plex. Uh, it's it's cool. It's easy to update. Um, I'm not trying to sell y'all on Synology, but um, it is cool and it is fun. And so now, having added in the UPS, I thought, okay, this is one of those good times to go through and like. It's a thing I do every year or two at home. I do it every year or two at work, which is I start completely over. I, de- I you know, I, I basically detach everything, make a big pile of cables, reattach everything in a much neater way, 
Um, I, this time I decided to splurge a little, not splurge, I mean, it was 50 bucks, but I bought uh, some like basically three foot Cat 6A cables. I bought some little, some of those little uh, extensions, like a bit, like a six or eight inch extension for yeah. each power plug. So mm-hmm. you can fit more yeah. in, into the UPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I did all that this morning and it was not super difficult. Um, at this point I should pause and say, uh, and, and take a breath, but I, I have more here about <laughs> the pile of cables that I'm looking at, but, uh, yeah, so that's where I am. And I, I think I put mine into the show notes. Yes. Synology six Bay NAS station, uh, for, for, if you want to Google it, it's DS 1618 plus. And how, uh, did you already tell me how many, um, how many expansion drive slots you have left? It's, uh, there's two left. Um, and it's not a, I didn't do raid. Um, Synology has their own thing called SHN, which is their seemingly I ask around and it seems like pretty reliable. It's like what I think it's what Marco and, um, Casey does a raid zero, which I don't understand, but, um, Marco and uh, John both do this SHN format of theirs. Six bays in the drive. And I have, I'm clicking control panel. Oh God, this is certainly not super pretty to use, but it does work. And you do, it's like, like I say, it's like cPanel. You, you get used to it. And I'm clicking on not external devices. What's it called? Containers, I think. Um, I think it's, I think after mirroring and everything and after SHN, it's, I think it's 10 terabytes I've got in there right now. Very and nice. I got the, um, I got the red ones, the red, I think the Western Digital red ones, which are like, okay, fancy ones. You know what I'm talking about? Help me out. What yeah, the caviar, maybe? The mm, caviar black drives that I are meant for red, server usage? I think I got red hard drive. Um, I got, yeah, I got WD Red Pro. Um, and I got, so I got some six terabytes. Uh, yeah, mostly six terabytes. However, however I can figure it. So I have two open slots and if I ever need, I got a couple spares. I think it's good when you, whenever you buy hard drives, I would suggest buying at least one extra hard drive because you're eventually going to need it. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. You always need a, it. Good practice. Good practice. So yeah, uh, and that's that's what I'm doing. And I'm not anywhere. N- I'm oh, whatever the opposite of a, I'm an unpowered user. I'm a I'm a bottom. I, I'm not <laughs> doing. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But I'm I'm not I'm not doing anything too too sophisticated with it. But um, if you choose to, there are ways to configure all kinds of things. I have friends who use it as a like a download. St- there's something called Download Station, where it's very easy to say like, okay, like there's this large, like a video, like a YouTube video or some kind of large file. You can basically just say, send it to my Synology and it'll take care of that for you. Um, there's, you know what, let me, let me find a, a good page that describes all the stuff that it does. But um, they seem like a good company. And I, like I say, I, I mean, every time I have a question, I'm, I'm very pleased with the, the documentation that they have. They, they seem, they seem good. Yeah. They seem like a really good company. They've been around for a long time. There's, there are a lot more expensive solutions that you could get. And there are a lot of m- more cheap solutions that you can get. And, uh, Synology seems to just really be one of those that, that has, they have, they have weathered the storm of being around for a long enough time. And I really think that there is a huge advantage for even just regular people to have something like this in their house. If you have, you know, I mean, we all have cloud stuff. You were talking about the exodus from Google that some people are undertaking right now. And, you know, I think there really is an opportunity 
right now for people, whether they're trying to leave Google entirely or just trying to kind of control their own stuff, that there is a huge advantage to that. Yes. I haven't explored all of this equally, but like, for example, I'm just looking at my installed packages. Uh, and there's some stuff and it's pretty cool because it'll do dependencies for you. It's all in a GUI. So you don't have to worry. It's not like doing a homebrew thing. I guess it's a little like a homebrew thing, but like, you know, it'll install Python for you and install PHP for you. Um, so I've got stuff on here like, um, let's see, Plex, uh, something called cloud station server, which is cool. Hyper backup is the thing, um, that enables me to do, um, backups to the hard drive. Um, and I'm trying to remember which one of these is doing time machine. It's one of these, but also I just yesterday I just installed Docker, um, mm. which I, I'm which Casey Liss has been talking about. I'm very interested in. Um, what are you so doing you with that? Run, well, he talked about it's. I mean, like you could probably describe Docker way better than I could, but it sounds like it's something where you run or they call containers. Mm-hmm. Correct. And so if there's like some chunk of funk you want running, um, Docker makes it easy to do that. What was Casey using it for? It was something really clever. I forget what, but. Um, yeah, that one's a little bit of a, you got to get into some, I mean, it's not difficult to do, but there are a lot of like pieces to that. Mm-hmm. Synology application service. Oh, and then like, I'm sorry, I'm skipping the really dumb, obvious ones. Um, if you're, if you're looking, I'm not saying you're looking to replace Google, but if you'd like to be able to, uh, for example, like have your own photo backups, if you'd like to have your own music backups and serving, you know, there's, there's um, iOS apps for all of the major Synology apps. So for example, I think Syracuse in particular, he's, I think he, yeah, I know he runs Plex, but you can also basically get apps that will let you, you know, stream movies to your phone, mm-hmm. like from your Synology. No Dutch AS, OAuth, VPN server. I thought I'd at least like mess around with that just to see what it's like. But uh, no, it's really cool. It's 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 a bit of a project. Like if you're gonna do it, like you really need to set aside some time, or it's gonna be a huge waste of money. And I would definitely uh, don't ask me because I don't know. I relied very much on the kindness of strangers and friends to uh, tell me how to do any of this stuff. But uh, yeah, Synology, it's good. I like so, Synology. So here's the funny part, and I just I don't. This is this is where I finally at at minute thirty four get into something like a theme. I told you I, I like this theme about with the old and with the new because it's been coming up a lot for me in the last few weeks. But it's so wild. So I, I uh, woke up early, came in early before everybody had left the house. Even I came in, and so like I say, I got some some of those. Uh, I don't know if Cat Six A is going to make much of a difference over Cat Six, but the main part for me was that they're shorter. I could get rid because like when I initially, you know how it is. Maybe you're not like this. You're a little more organized than me. But when I initially set something up. Talk about spaghetti on spaghetti. I've got just just loops. I try to like be kind of controlled about it, but it was really ugly. Like there were so many big loops of Ethernet cable. I don't need 25 feet of Ethernet cable here. Um, and I have those all piled on each other. And then now I've added the UPS stuff. And now the UPS stuff means there's power cords all over the place, even if they're just those little bricks and little thready uh, cables. But I just wanted to clean that up. And I also wanted to be able to utilize all of the UPS uh, backup um, poor, um, outlets, yeah. which I've tested and it works. It's wild. You just, you unplug the, uh, UPS and all the stuff keeps working. It's just, it's wild. Um, <laughs> but what that meant was, what did I do? I started over it's, and it's such a good feeling, but it's so comical, Dan. I, so first thing I do is, and I knew it was a little bit risky cause we had to record today, but it turned out okay so far anyway. 
knock on wood. Yeah, no, but, I mean, at UPS, I, I came up in the time when, you know, we had tons of servers. I was working in, I was running Knox and data centers. And I mean, U, UPSs were just like, it was unthinkable that you would have anything you cared about not mm-hmm. plugged into a UPS. And so I, I've had, I mean, we've had UPSs at home. I've got the two of them here at work. I have them on everything. I mean, we even have UPSs on the kids' sound machines in their rooms. So, like, I'm a UPS, total UPS nerd. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the one thing you, you mentioned it, but I just wanted to go into a little bit more detail about it. There is software on every platform and almost every single UPS that you get nowadays, at least at least a decent one, will have a USB connection coming from the back of the UPS that you can plug into your computer. And there's software that gives you a lot of different options. It's built mm-hmm. into macOS. It's an easy package on Linux. Windows has it built in, or there's you know you can download it from the website. And what this software lets you do is decide what you want to happen and when you want it to happen based on how much power the UPS has. So for example... In you know, Ma- no matter which UPS you get of the, the ones that I've bought, they all have a su- surprisingly big, heavy battery that you do need to replace periodically, yes, but yes. it's got a battery in it and it's, it's real big, mm-hmm, <laughs> real mm-hmm. heavy. Yeah. And basically what you, what you do is you configure that software. So you can say something like if there's less than, if there's 35% or less power in the battery, Mm-hmm. then shut the computer down. Or if there's less than three minutes of power or left to, if there's going to be less than three minutes left that the UPS can power your computer while it's running, then then shut it down. You can set up all these different parameters so that it'll, you know, in other words, if you just have like your computer plugged into it and power goes off for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. maybe 10 minutes, that's long enough for it to wind up crashing. And if the power hasn't come back, then mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Well, that will, the computer will say, oh, I'm out of time. We haven't gotten power back. I'll shut myself down. And you can even configure right. it to power back up. There's a lot of things that you could do that's really, really cool. Yeah. And Mac yeah, and OS has in, tons built built in. built in with the Synology. So like I'm seeing here, that's I so cool. device information, APC, backup, this, status connected, uh, battery charged, estimated battery, 4,540 seconds. So like an hour and 15 minutes estimate estimate right but that's plenty enough time to deal with definitely a brownout or oh a dip. yeah oh yeah like you know dirty power kind of dipping out um but uh yeah and i've got it's uh, time time before discussion enter safe mode i said five minutes i think that's you know I, I the the synology is not doing anything mission critical right now and i'd rather kind of err on the side of uh safety but yeah yeah it's 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 all just a fun fun little project you know abundance of caution kind of stuff um, but it is, it's fun. It's, it's exactly at my level of comfort and expertise as somebody who no longer remembers how to do anything with technology. When my sites, some of my sites migrated over the summer and I was just like, Durr. like, I don't have to do any <laughs> of this anymore. If I can find the password, I would not know how to fix this MySQL thing. I have no, I'm totally out of the loop on that. Mm. Thank you, Squarespace. But, um, yeah, so, th- so that's the thing, but, but so here's the funny part, Dan. And then I want to hear about something you like. So take everything apart, unplug everything, take everything out, right? And fresh start, you know, new broom. So, um, but it's wild because, um, so I made, I kind of like started piling up the ethernet. I took out the power supplies for stuff that, how do I end up with so many bricks for things, but no device? <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> right. Because I'll take the device away, but I guess I leave the brick and I've got three different power strips down here for what? 
I don't, what was I doing with all of this? I don't know. I got the, you know, I got the nice like Kensington one here, but I've also got the octopus, you know, that does the little stalks for, you know, so you can have more flexibility with what, what kind of bricks you put on there. Yeah, yeah. But it was just, it was just so interesting to me that like I live, I live and work such as I work every day at this place with all of this unnecessary croft. Uh, I don't think, I don't imagine it has the same impact that tons of extra unnecessary coax would have, but it was pretty wild that when I was done, I three quarters filled a banker's box with all the stuff that I wasn't using anymore. Love now, that. I love that. Some, that's awesome. Some, well, some of that's because I was replacing 25 foot cables with three foot cables. But uh, it was just a, such a wild feeling to see all of this stuff in this pile. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll certainly find uses for it in the future. I'll keep it around for now. But yeah, it's just... Now, it's, here's, it's a, here's, a question. here's a question for you. Have you yeah. or do you uh, make your own cables or do you buy them? <laughs> I, I buy them. Okay. No, that's fine. Yeah. It's a valid answer. Most people buy. You're them. talking I, about where you buy like a spool. Yes. And then put yes. Your, no, God, I have no idea. I wouldn't even know how to begin to do. How oh, do you do it's that? so fun. Um, Is it? I well, I used to. Uh, I used to. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not being snarky. It, but like, what tech is required to do that? So like little. Wire cutter. Oh, so little. So little. Okay. And this is the funny thing about this. This is the the great thing about this. Is you have. And I, I learned how to make Ethernet cables back at eh, some company I was working at where I went there and, you know, they're like, oh, you know, we got to run some this new part of the office or whatever. And so I learned it's very, very easy to do. And I will find I won't do it while we're on the show, but I'll find a um, I'm sure there's videos on it on YouTube, too. But there's a wiring diagram. Basically, there's a, a few wires and those wires go into the little plug part at the end. And there's a little very cheap. I'll put all of this in the show notes, a little crimping tool that you get and a little and that has a built in cutter and stripper. So basically you have one tool that's probably twelve dollars and then you get a spool of cat six cable, which is going to run you. I don't know. You know, you can get a little you can get a lot. So it's however much you want to get. Mm-hmm. And basically what's the advantage of this isn't I'm cool. I can make my own cables. Mm-hmm. The advantage of it is you can make cables that are exactly the oh, right size for yeah. the setting that you want. So you don't wind up with either something that's so short, you can't pull the device out of where it is or too long. So you've got three feet of cable coiled up behind it. You can get exactly the length that you need and you can pick the color that you want to match the room or if you want white to go along the baseboard or black to match the thing, whatever. And then you can go and you can make cables that are exact and you're saving tons and tons of money. If you have more than like three things, if you're actually like in your little office or you're wiring something up. And by the way, I still, even though I've got the great Eero, which is a wonderful product for Wi-Fi, I still, any opportunity that I get to have wired connections, I will use wired connections. Any chance I get. So here at the office is a really good example Everything here is wired. Every single machine is wired. I've got this Skype uh, recording machine that I'm using with you right now. I've got my laptop. When I dock it to the screen, I have an Ethernet adapter plugged into the screen so that it's there. I've got the two Mac minis that are wired. Everything's, everything that I can do, the Windows PC is wired. It's all wired. And it's not because I don't have Wi-Fi. Like I said, I have great Wi-Fi here, but it's right. still as fast as we have with Wi-Fi, it's instantaneous with gigabit Ethernet. It's instantaneous. You copy. Mm-hmm. So when I when I'm done recording this show with you, I will have two approximately 350 meg files that I've recorded, oh. and I pull your end down and use that anyway. But 
uh, for some of the shows I do, uh, you know, where, where we don't have a double ender happening, I'll have those files. So, you know, you're talking about close to a gig. Sometimes if we do a longer show, it could be a gig. When I pull that over from this recording machine over to my machine to edit it, two seconds, maybe yeah on ethernet yeah it's almost instantaneous it's it seems fast as a local copy and that's what it's supposed to be is that a combination of uh gigabit internet uh ethernet gigabit ethernet plus ssds i yes it is because all the machines i have are ssd now with yeah wow maybe one exception no i think they're all ssd yeah dude it's so fast and Mm -hmm. at home you know, I have all of the, as many devices as I can plug into the switch that I have connected to the, to the God, cable yes. modem. I've just got them plugged in. So we get the Apple TVs and we've got the, you know, whatever you know, the, um, the Nintendo switch and whatever else that has an ethernet or could have an ethernet it's there. So really the only devices that wind up getting unwired are really iOS or now I should say iPad OS devices, things that Mm -hmm. are like phones and iPads. Those are not, but everything else that can be wired, I have wired and it, I think it makes a big, a really big difference and I really like it. And I've always done that, but you know, having your own spool and the ability to make your own cables means that, you know, you, you can get exactly the right length of cable for exactly the thing. Now, if you're one of these people that like, you know, you've got a laptop computer and an iPhone and an iPad. And that's mm-hmm. all you've got in your house. Like, yeah, you probably, <laughs> you right. probably don't need to get your own spool. Now I, now I got to store a spool. <laughs> well, where am I going to keep my spool? I got to store my spool. But uh, there's, you know, there are different kinds of ethernet cables. I recommend, of course, today getting cat six. Mm-hmm. Some people will say, that 5e is good enough, but everything is moved to it's all it's all cat six nowadays. What do you guys need a refresher course? Yeah, so come on, um, wake up. It's uh, it's you know, but there's different like certain cat six are, are more flexible and some are less, and then you can get the kind that is like flat designed to like be run under a carpet or alongside the baseboard. I don't like that kind. I don't use that kind. But yeah, I'll put I'll put the tool that you need into the show notes. It'll be an Amazon link and then a, a spool that I recommend, but this is something it's just, it's so easy to have. And it is kind of cool to like do your own cabling and there's something kind of, I don't know. Yeah. No, I know. I, I, I laughed. I laughed. I laughed when I sat down at the piano, I laughed at your spool and I apologize for that because uh-huh. I, I totally see what you're saying. I see the benefits of that. You don't, if you don't need all of that, you know, all that spaghetti on spaghetti, why have it around? Yeah. Um, could you tell me about, uh, something else that you like? Oh, I would love to tell you about Ring Central. Ring Central. Ring, ring, ring Central. Ring. It is the number one global cloud phone system. So basically what Ring Central does is it 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 lets you get your business phone, your video conferencing, your team messaging anywhere on your personal phone or any other mobile device. And this is the kind of thing if you're a small company, but even if you're a big company, I used to run a PBX system back in the time period where I was learning to to make my own ethernet cables. Uh, and, and this PBX system was like, it had all this complicated routing. And so every time somebody moved to a different office physically, or we got a new employee that needed an extension, or we wanted to set up conference calls or messaging, it was a nightmare to do it. Ring Central brings all of that tech, makes it easy to use, and gives it to you in a complete package with a simple web interface, an app for your phone, and they make it so easy to take your little business and make it super professional so that you get this 
really intelligent, like call routing. So no calls get missed. You get professional voicemail, you get business SMS and MMS. So you don't have to give out your personal phone number, but you can still get texts and, and messages on your personal phone. Like that kind of stuff is really, really cool. Especially if you go to like some big conference where you get to hand out your business card to a thousand people and everybody has their cell phone and nobody has a landline anymore, but you don't want to give them that. This, this solution lets you fix that for you and all your employees and coworkers. And I mean, of course there's contact integration with your phone. So you don't have to like manage two separate sets of contacts, which is stupid. You don't have to do that. It has video conferencing. It has team messaging. Uh, and, and, Everything in is all in one place. You're not working with five different companies to get all of these things working. And best of all, it integrates with the apps that you're already using. So if you're using Gmail or Zapier or Salesforce or Outlook, it just integrates seamlessly with all that. And it starts as low as 20 bucks, 19.99 actually. Uh, and you can save money and cut your phone costs by like 30% at least maybe more. So if you sign up today, you'll get instant access to ring central's powerful phone system, which includes the phone stuff, the fax stuff, the video conferencing and more. And they're offering a holiday bundle to our listeners. You will not pay anything until 2020. So this is something worth trying out. See if you like it. And if you do pay nothing till 2020, very cool. The URL to go to ringcentral.com slash back to work and ring is r-i-n-g ringcentral.com slash back to work cool company uh i like their service you might like it too it might be perfect for you ringcentral.com slash back to work thanks very much to them for making this show possible merlin man thanks ring central buck buck well we're running a little uh, uh well no we're not running long we're running exactly how we should be but um, <laughs> I don't know right. if I have time for a, a giant magnum opus, so I'll lay, it makes sense to just lay some groundwork for something, but I'll still be able to make it thematic, he said out loud to no one in particular. <laughs> so you haven't seen the uh, the Watchmen show yet, right? No, it is high on my list of things to watch. And I, I think I told you in text that I'm I'm both uh, hopeful and apprehensive about it. <laughs> and yeah, I would well, love to that's hear a good it. Way, that's a good way to go into it. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, it's it's another one of those things where it's like it's, on the one hand, it's kind of difficult to recommend because it's challenging. But uh, I'd rather, uh, for now, I'm just going to say very little about it and say uh, it would be okay with me uh, if people watched it. Because I think there's a lot there and a lot to think about. <laughs> the most lukewarm recommendation I've ever heard. Because <laughs> here's the problem. I No, I'm taking my cue from the man himself, Damon Lindelof, who one reason he's so good at what he does, he got his ass burned with Lost. Right. I mean, he, for years, for how long has he had to like put up with the whole like, oh, the whole series sucks because I didn't like the last episode or whatever. Don't right. email me. Right. But I feel bad for the guy. But then he comes out and he does Leftovers. And it was like, oh, my God, Leftovers was so good. Super challenging. Um, but he's I mean, he's, I think, good at uh, managing expectations for what he's doing. There's no way in this in this economy, there's no way you're going <laughs> to be immune from idiots and speculative idiots, even people like me who are, I'm very often a speculative idiot and I don't love it, but that's the internet. Welcome. <laughs> Here's your sign. So anyway, um, but, uh, okay, fine. I'll say it. It's really good. And, uh, don't email me. It's awfully good. So check it out. Maybe we could do a spoiler, uh, spoiler slot, uh, in the future about it. Uh, but I, the first episode was, um, 
I woke up Sunday night in the middle of the night and I couldn't sleep. And I said, I do this thing now where I'm like, okay, if I'm not going to sleep, I'll get up for a while and then I'll go back to bed. Right. And so I watched like the first half hour of it and I was like, wow, there's a lot here. I'm going to come back to this. So then I watched it all the way through and is sitting from the beginning again last night. Um, and I can just say that, um, I, I think it's good. So without Um, too many spoilers, I I do have a couple questions. Yes. Uh, I'm very familiar with the Watchmen, the original comic. I read it. I did not read it when it first came out. I, I read it shortly after, mm-hmm. and I've read it again a couple times and really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those weirdos who liked the movie. And, I did too. Yeah. I, I think it's a very, I think it's an underrated and overpilloried movie. If you can just get your head out of your ass, your 1986 ass, and look at it for what it is, which is a movie and not the comic. Right. It's like, God, it's, it's really well done in its way. It's like one of the few things from Zack Snyder that I really like, but yeah. I mean, I, so, you what, know, so I your no complaint question is, what is this thing? Yeah. Because I'm, uh, so I understand it takes place in the Watchmen universe and, and I understand also that DC comics came out with a series of mm-hmm. comics that were Watchmen yeah. stories that were they prequels or something? I read a couple and yeah, I just, yeah. it wasn't for ago, me. They had a, a whole series of different titles based on. You know, um, some of the, I mean, the, the comedian obviously had his own book and Silk Spectre, but um, even like the, you know, the Justice guy, like everybody had their own, I think Ozymand, or yeah, Ozymandias definitely did. And I think even, oh God, who's the guy? Who's the dude? The Max Headroom guy, uh, the villain guy, answer, <laughs> what's his name? What's his character's name? Rorschach? Oh, no, Rorschach had a comic too. No, the, the, the bad guy played by the Max Headroom guy uh, in the movie. Oh God, don't yell at me. Anyway, so what is this? I I, I really, uh, I'm trying not to say anything about this because this is the kind of thing where it's so joyful to know absolutely zero about it. But yeah. here's what I will say. If you, if you need to know, um, first of all, you don't have to know the Watchmen, you know, whatever, 12 uh, issue series from mm-hmm. the 80s. You don't need to. If you do know it, I think it's really makes it a lot more interesting uh, I don't know if it'll necessarily make it less weird because this is really shocking and unusual TV and uh, I am, as they say, here for it. I will just say this. So, you know, we left off with uh, issue 12. Let's just leave it at issue 12 of Watchmen from whatever, okay. that, whatever year that was in the 80s. Right. This is a, from that same universe um, and it's in a future after that. Um, and it's, it may or may not have characters and themes from the comic in it. Okay. But I'll, I'll give you one. Here's a freebie. You know how Richard Nixon is president mm-hmm. in um, Watchmen? Yeah, for like a fifth term or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, now you can have multiple terms. And uh, so Robert Redford has been president for 30 years. Oh. This is a very interesting show. So now, this takes place in the future. In the future as against what we saw in the 80s. Hmm. I don't want to say too much. I don't, I feel like this is a Damon Lindelof show is like the most wonderful kind of brain on fire puzzle box. Like what happened in the leftovers? I think I kind of know what happened in the leftovers, but like seeing it unspool over those seasons was such a delight for me. I mean, that show is not as as John Syracuse said, when he introduced it, he said, there's, there's a very good chance that you will not like this show, but if you like this kind of show, you're really going to like this show. And I, I feel the same way about so far one episode in with Watchmen. Here's why I bring it up. 
um, you know, we don't have time to get super into this, but, um, I, so having finally watched the first episode all the way through, I was able to tuck into the latest episode of the watch, which as I've mentioned before is a podcast I really like. And then, you know, they got real into it. it do not listen to it until you've watched the episode because it's spoilerific. But, uh, first it's Chris and Andy. Andy's back on the phone. Um, you know, he's doing Briar Patch stuff. He's a showrunner for this upcoming show called Briar Patch produced by, um, uh, the Mr. Robot Guys company, uh, Sam Ismail. Oh, yeah. Um, and so there's two segments on the show. One of them is talking about a piece of media in the show. God, this is so annoying. I apologize. Why am I bringing this up? Because it's entirely germane to all of this dithering that I'm doing right now, which is that, oh, my God, somebody had the temerity to do something with Watchmen. Oh, my God. There's no way. Look at, you're making Alan Moore sad. He had to take his name off another thing. Boo. <laughs> don't change. Don't touch some. Well, that's like trying to, trying to, uh, trying to, uh, you know, adapt the Pentateuch. God made it. I believe it. Settled. Moses. Boom. Mic drop. It's not God. It's a comic book. Relax. Let somebody, let, it's okay when we have new things. It really is. It may not be good, but you know what? If a Ghostbusters movie can retroactively ruin your childhood, you really need to think about where you are with your adulthood. <laughs> if you if you think that an HBO show about a comic book, and I, I don't want to be, you know, I've I've got a lot of love for all kinds of Watchmen stuff. I really super like that comic a lot. I own Watchmen things. I have all of the things. <laughs> but I'm also really intrigued with the idea that maybe somebody can do something interesting with this. And not just a remake that's like a shot-for-shot shot remake. He's not going to do this. is not going to be like a Psycho-style remake. They're just doing something very interesting. If you liked, if you actually liked the comic and what the comic was about, and your heart is open, I got a pretty good feeling you're going to like this. Because it's pretty wild and um, challenging in a similar way. So there's all kinds of question marks, but I, and why am I bringing this up? Because like I said, out, out with the old, in with the new. So some, at some point, pretty far into the discussion on the watch today, you know, they got into this and the, like the pre-backlash and all of the stuff where like Lindelof has like put up a thing on Instagram and reposted a thing on Instagram, which is like this, I'm only gonna talk about this once. Here's my three page note about <laughs> what the bag of things you can suck is like, this is what I'm doing. And um, I hope you're on board. And if right. you're not, that you're going to just have to be okay with that. And they started talking about like how challenging it is in this like relentlessly Rorschachian, uh, post Rorschachian atmosphere of like, just a bunch of grumbly guys so mad about anything that's not the thing that they've already <laughs> seen. Right. And he said the great, I put this on Twitter earlier. I just love when Andy said this. Um, they were talking about like, you know, this need to kind of defend to a previous generation, this new thing. And he said, I don't need my dad to understand why I think future is good. I don't need my dad to mm -hmm. understand why I think future is good. Mm -hmm. We waste so much energy apologizing for something being different from what it used to be. We're so dug in, in our positions about how things should be in the past. And in a way that I'd like to return to, maybe after you've had a chance to watch it, this is coming up a lot thematically. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll let you talk in a minute, but let me just wrap up this thread by saying, yes, I recommend you, you watch Watchmen. It is not for kids. 
it is very triggering. It's going to be super triggering to a lot of people about a lot of things. And in a way, not dissimilar to the original Watchmen. But it's it's a hell of a thing. Um, but then I also found this article this morning. And I have not vetted this personally. I'm not a scientist. But I found this article this morning via Twitter Moments, of all things. Uh, it's from the journal Science Advances. And the title of this article, this piece, which is apparently like, you know, it's a science thing. Right. It's called, it's called kid, kid, Kids These Days, colon, Why the Youth of Today Seem Lacking. And the, so in the abstract, it basically says here, in five pre-registered studies, we assess people's tendency to believe that, quote, kids these days are deficient relative to those of previous generations. Across, across three traits, American adults believe today's youth are in decline. <laughs> However, these perceptions are associated with people standing on those, those traits. Authori- authoritarian people especially think youth are less respectful of their elders. Intelligent people uh, especially think youth are less intelligent, well-read. They enjoy reading less. And they say these beliefs are not uh, predicted by irrelevant traits. Two mechanisms contribute to humanity's perennial tendency to denigrate kids. Number one, a person-specific tendency to notice the limitations of others where one excels. And second, a memory bias, so important, a memory bias projecting one's current qualities onto the youth of the past. I've given you a lot to think about here. Yeah. It's one thing to like get mad about somebody having the temerity to touch God's comic from the 80s, but I feel like it's super related to this thing that everybody younger than me is bad at life, and I need to be suspicious of all of the things that uh, that I maybe I don't understand because it's so dangerous. But this opens with a quote from 1624. Youth were never more saucy. The ancient are scorned. The honorable are condemned. The magistrate is not dreaded. And it's from Thomas Barnes, the minister of St. Margaret's Church in London, 1624. This is not new, guys. But be ready for this when it comes along, because it's going to come along. You're going to get mad about people touching your comics. You're going to get mad about people eating avocados. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to everybody. (laughs) Just be on the watch for it, because you sound like such a dick. You think you sound smart, and you sound like such a dick. None of us will get past this. None of us will be great at it every second. But start noticing that tendency to think that all the things that you think you liked a long time ago should define the way everybody is in the future. No, no. Kids don't know how to use a fax. We don't need fax machines anymore. Unless you're an accountant or a lawyer, you probably don't need a fax machine. And if you do, get real good at it. But don't yell at people about that. I'm ranting, Dan. But um, this this just got me thinking. I love that quote. Let me read it again, because I love it so much. Um, I don't need my dad to understand why I think future is good. Wouldn't it be nice if we all just thought for the sake of argument that maybe future is good? Optimism is for suckers, but, you know, (laughs) do we have to be so pessimistic about change? Is it really that bad? Mm. Hmm. Must investigate further. No, I don't sound like Rush. Like I sound like Selma. <laughs> From Decabox. Yeah. So uh, one, one thing I, I would like to add is that there is always something interesting to me because what we see, especially those of us who read comics, is we see a character, a beloved character, who gets a new not a retcon, but a, a retelling of their origin story, a restart of their entire thing. I mean, how many times has 
Spider-Man been restarted, Wolverine been restarted, Batman been restarted, all of these characters. How many times are we seeing movie franchises being restarted again? Um, Movies being remade. Many of the movies that we love are remakes and so many people don't know it. And it's always fun when my kids will say, oh, dad, there's this new thing. And I'll be like, oh, you know what? That, that's the thing that was out when I was a kid. And this is a remake of it. Yeah. And for the longest time, I was like, any remake is horrible. Any retelling of anything is horrible. But it's really not. It's really, if you're open-minded to it, you can say, you know what? This is this was popular in our time. And now it's it's being retold and updated it could and, be a story from ancient Greece. Right, really. sure. Think about how many things are just like a, like a version of Oedipus. Or, you know, how many things are a version of The Searchers. Like, like yeah, film. right. But like, no, I mean, it's like it's somebody's fresh take on that. And this is something that comes up a lot on The Watch. It's There's two themes that they, re- they talk about specifically this week, but they return to a lot. One is that Andy uh, talks about genre being genre stuff. And, you know, being somebody who loves genre stuff, personally me. I'm not a creator, but the genre is the engine that lets you drive the car to where you want to go. It does not need to be a thing like just on its own. You can't just make a movie called Western. Like Westworld? Yeah, that's that's taking genre for a spin. Uh, you know, in that case, uh, a Western and a little bit of sci-fi. The other thing that they say that they return to this week is that the thing about our trend for recycled IP, intellectual property, is that it represents a high floor. You don't have to sell people on the idea of Wolverine. They go, ooh, new Wolverine thing. And you go and you watch it. But like the kind of high floor you get out of a, a, a yet another Wolverine story is like, well, is that going to be that fresh? How often do you get a Logan? Yeah. You know, more often you're going to get a The Wolverine out mm-hmm, of it in mm-hmm. terms of movies. I cut you off. But that that's 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 the thing. It's, that doesn't all have to be bad. It doesn't all have to be good. But like, it's, it's just mainly that like the, the environment in our culture these days just feels there's so many things that that we can get worked up about and the way the way that we try to muzzle anybody's attempt to do something differently i don't know it's just it's just i go back and forth it's like me with apple i go back and forth but i think it's frustrating when we try to let our future be defined by old people what an exhausting idea could you imagine if that's what ended up always being happening in the past all the old people gets to decide what's okay Please, Jesus, take the wheel. Grab that power <laughs> away from me. Don't let the old people decide what the future is. They're the last people that should decide. They should just go away and die. That's what we should do. We shouldn't be the ones trying to tell young people they're doing it wrong. What is this, feudal Japan? Is a thought I had. <laughs> Speaking of feudal Japan, um, I just watched a movie, not from Japan, um, that, uh, it, however... Uh, involves martial arts, so therefore it's related. Um, yeah. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, um, still holds up. Just as just great movie, beautiful movie. I watched it with my son, and uh, it's he was blown away by this movie. He kind of got interested in the and after me trying unsuccessfully many many years to get him interested in any kind of martial arts type of movie. Um, we watched uh, The Last Samurai, which doesn't have that much martial arts in it. Uh, Is but Tom it, Cruise? Yeah. And um, don't say it. And we got really into that. And so I said, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, great movie. So we watched that and he just 
absolutely loved it. And, and he, I guess uh, almost 12, he appreciated the beauty of the movie. He appreciated it, not just as here's some people running around fighting, but he got the story. He got the ending. He got the whole thing. And, uh, and it was just a great, great experience. There's one sort of kind of sexually suggestive scene or two in there, but you know, (laughs) a bit of what we call adult kissing times, adult kissing. Uh, (laughs) but there really wasn't anything as far as like, quote unquote violence. Interestingly enough, almost all of the violence is comic book violence in a way it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's almost I mean, there's some real fighting, but the, most of it is almost yeah. comedic. And there's a, and and what's interesting is after one scene, it's kind of in the middle of the movie, uh, where one character kind of beats up a ton of other people. You get to see the other people afterwards, and they're all kind of beat up and bandaged up, and they're talking to some other people characters. These movies are pretty durable. Most they of the time. they really unless, are, unless they're bleeding out the mouth and nose, and that's when you know it's over. <laughs> right, and 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 really though, it was just a great great movie and a great experience. And I haven't seen it really since around the time it first came out and I had loved it back then and it, it still held up. So I'll just throw that in as another recommendation of something that's uh, really piggyback. nice. I'll piggyback on that. As long as we're doing um, normie dad movies with wire work, I feel like there's a, there's a trilogy of uh, the, anybody who likes these kinds of movies is just going to roll their eyes. You can already know the, the two other movies I'm going to mention, but um, these three movies, so Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and these two other movies, I feel like all represent different, slightly different aspects of what I love about um, this genre. Uh, one is Hero from 2002. It's a Jet Li movie that is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. Just lavish production. Um, so Jet Li and Hero. The other one that I, I love and I watch probably every six months is Ip Man with Donnie Yen. Have you seen that? Uh, you know what? Yes, uh, so long ago. And, and it's that... really moving. It's great, great stuff. And it's funny, but it's also very, it's got in parts very sad and very moving. Are these English or subtitled? Um, I watch them with subs. Yeah, I finally got my son into that. And after, after we were watching it, he said, you know, because like we're also watching Princess Mononoke with subtitles on. Mm-hmm. He looked at me and said, you know, and th- and and I, this would have made John Syracuse so happy. I know. He right? said, "You know, I I really think these movies are just meant to be watched with sub." I've never said They're this. So to can't him. be with like when we were kids and watching like you know Wu Tang Clan style kung fu <laughs> movies. Like the, it was so campy. I mean, with, I I know RZA has a deep deep love of those movies, and it's great to hear him talk about it. But you know, when you think about even the classics of the genre from the sixties and seventies into the early 80s, it's so the, you know, oh, your Kung Fu is no good, that kind of stuff. You're yeah. like, oh, it's, it's actually a little racist. Like, it's pretty bad. And all, all, the, all the children and the women talk like this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no, camera, uh, what? Uh, what is that? Camera, oh, camera. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, these are good <laughs> movies. These are good. I'm glad he's getting into it. I've tried to get my kid into both Ip Man and Hero. I may try Crouching tiger but it's not really her jam but i love them crouching tiger might open the door Mm -hmm. a little bit because it is it's it's not one but two love stories in in one movie surrounded by beautiful cinematography a wonderful storyline and some awesome wire style kung fu fighting and it is just such a great film it's really great is that donnie yen yeah donnie yen's in that right he's the dude uh uh, wait, who's the dude in Crouching Tiger? No, he's not the dude. Um, I would need to look up 
the I cast. Um, oh, Young, Young Chow Fat? Yeah, Chow Young Fat, who, Chow who Fat. All went on to be in many other movies speaking English later. Uh, but he's great oh, yeah. in it. Michelle Yao. God, I love her. Oh, she's amazing. And this is Ang Lee, I think, at, at his best, really. Oh, sure. I mean, after the Hulk, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, right, yeah. And also, right after think, the uh, Hulk. <laughs> Hulk, number one, Crouching Tiger, and Dragon, number, maybe a distant second. And then, but this, like, you know, this can also, the other thing with the kid, I mean, I feel like if you want, I can't, I can't say that I've seen this work yet, but I would guess that this, these movies could be a third step. I think a second step might be Jackie Chan and um, Sammo Hung movies, but even which one? Which one? Because I'm making a little list here. Oh God, Police Story, Project A. uh, Police Story is a really good one, but like the you know his his classic pre Hollywood movies. Uh, But I would say step one, even before that, might be just doing some um, outtake reels of Jackie Chan. We were like, wait a minute, did he, he? He did that? Like he jumped from that balcony to that balcony and then landed on a truck. (laughs) <laughs> Just seeing him break bones can be really entertaining. Making a note. I think, um, yeah, police story. And there's, what's the one? There's one um, that's a West, basically a Western with him and Sammo Hong. Um, and I'm trying to remember. It's got so much great, because, I mean, it's, God, Maggie Chung is in everything. Um, the thing with... Um, Jackie Chan, everybody knows that, you know, that school that he and Sammo uh, trained at, you know, the famous, like, um, is it the Beijing Opera or one of those, whatever, however they got their training, it's very, very acrobatic. And that Jackie Chan, like, feels like he owes so much to his love of Buster Keaton. Like, his movies are really funny. They're really, really funny. Whoa, he was in Enter the Dragon. He had a small role. Project A, yes. What's the one that's the Western? I'll see if I can find it later. Yeah, you know, movies are good. Don't listen to old people. We don't know anything. No. We think we're worse than people who don't know anything. We think we know things. Oh, we do know things. They're just wrong. But we believe in them wholeheartedly. Yeah, there was a the recent episode of Adam Ruins Everything about this. <laughs> where Adam Ruins, you ever watch that Adam Ruins Everything? No, I haven't. Oh, you should check it out. Your kids might really like it. Adam it's, Ruins um, Everything. It's kind of like a... Um, it turns out show. This guy, Adam Conover, who's really amusing, uh, does a show and basically talks about like Adam ruins weddings. Uh, Adam ruins like Christmas. Like he basically talks about like, you know, facty sciencey stuff. It's a turns out show. But, uh, and, and so the whole premise of the show is he like makes someone miserable by telling them the truth about something that they thought they understood. And he did, had an episode recently called Adam ruins Adam. And it's where he goes back where like, he talks about what he got wrong about stuff. He talks to one of the, I think he talks to, was it Kruger or Dunning? He talks to one of the Dunning Kruger guys actually has them on to talk about the D- Dunning Kruger effect, talk about cognitive biases, especially confirmation bias and how that, you know, is screwing up our lives so bad. Yeah. Check out, uh, check out uh, Adam ruins everything. It's on Hulu and elsewhere. It's on one of those wackadoo, like, tertiary stations. Adam ruins everything. Dan, did you have one more thing to tell me about that you like? Yeah, I would love to tell you about Native. Oh, that stuff smells good. It's so good. And now, you know what? I got. <laughs> I told you my son uh, stole one, right? Oh, yeah. My, um, my, my family stole everything. Now, my me. daughter, I got another one, and she has that now. And she took it, and she actually has it in her bedroom now so that no one else will... Get it away. And and uh, I was doing her bedtime the other night and she had, uh, you know, come out of the shower and everything. She's like, oh, hand me, hand me the native. I'm like, 
well, it's gone. She's like, no, it's here. And she, she had it on her shelf in her bedroom behind some of her stuffed animals so that no one would, meaning her brother, would come in and take it out of there and use it. And it's the cucumber one. So let me tell you what this is. Native makes uh, safe, simple, effective products that uh, we want to use in the bathroom or in my daughter's case, in her room every day. They have trusted ingredients and trusted performance and they have like 8,000 five-star reviews from their customers. They're doing a great job. All of the stuff they make, there's no aluminum, there's no parabens, there's no talc. Uh, it just has ingredients that are found in nature. They use things like coconut oil and shea butter, which is a moisturizer. They have tapioca. Shea, shea, shea butter. Shea butter. Shea butter. Shea butter. When I was a professional uh, men's dancer, that was my name, Shea butter. <laughs> That's what your your moniker. Mm-hmm. They I have used uh, to work with uh, double act with cocoa butter. <laughs> shea butter. They call that a a, a, a double yeah. ender. It's called a donkey. <laughs> no. Um, Cut it out. Cut it out. No, I'm I know I'm not doing any editing. Uh, tapioca <laughs> starch, and and it's never tested on animals. They have free Yay. shipping and returns, and it works, Merlin. It, it works. really works. Switching to an aluminum-free deodorant does not mean having to sacrifice on performance. Test it out. This is the thing. They want you to try it. I tried it. It works, and it works great. And I'll tell you what. You go into a, 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 a gym here in Austin, and a lot of the gyms, they don't, they don't run the air. They just let it get hot in there. That's <laughs> how you're going to test your deodorant, okay? Oh That's all I'm going to say about that. And, uh, and so this is the thing again, few simple ingredients so that you actually understand what it is that you're putting on your body. And they've got a ton of different scents. They've got some for men, some for women, some for that are just neutral. So it doesn't, you know, it's, 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 it's not too strong either way. And, um, the classic deodorant scents have got coconut and vanilla, which they say is their most popular one. They've got lavender and rose. My daughter has stolen the cucumber and mint one, and they've even got a eucalyptus and mint, which I really like. And there's no risk. That's the thing. There's free returns and exchanges anywhere in the USA. And, uh, and I recommend these. These are wonderful. And you know what else? I'll say this. A lot of people are worried. They say, you know what? I'm not sure I'm going to like this. And I don't want to be stuck in a situation where there might be an odor problem. I, mm-hmm. I, I tell you that won't happen. But if you don't believe me, guess what? It's a cooler months right now. Try it now mm-hmm. in the cooler months. It stands no less- stink guarantee. <laughs> there you go. So your personal guarantee, it's a no stink guarantee. 20, yes. 20% off your first purchase if you go to nativedeodorant.com, N-A-T-I-V-E, nativedeodorant.com, and the promo code to use there is back to work. Just use that during checkout and you get 20% off your first purchase. And uh, this is a really great product and I think you'll really like it too. Nativedeodorant.com, back to work during checkout. Thanks very much to them for making this show possible. Buck, buck. Damn, Benjamin. Not a stinky boy. Not anymore. He's a clean boy. Not, not anymore. Not anymore. I put not that since, behind me. Uh, sixth Hi. grade. Hi, I'm Robert Native. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's a long one. That's what she said. So she Damn, said. We got to button it up. Must investigate further. Okay, let's button it up. If you, if you insist, hmm? if you mm. insist. <laughs> And I will say no. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin man. <laughs>